Well, all right, everybody. It's Jean Nathan. It's Crosstown Conversations. And we, of course, have some really interesting guests this evening because we're going to talk about resistance. We're going to talk about never again. We're going to talk about the right of free speech, as in WBOK's right to free speech at a time when it's being challenged, but also about all the good things that are happening at WBOK, because cool things are happening, and the general manager, Susan Henry, is going to be with us to talk about that. First up, however, we have Melanie Oob, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Melanie Oob. Oob, I know. I, I kind of knew that, and I don't know why I said Uber. I'm looking at it, and it looks like Uber. Of course it's Uber. Um, who is the executive director of Emerge Louisiana, and she has Marjorie Esman with her, who is... I'm a board member of Emerge Louisiana. Right. And um, so Emerge Louisiana is the Louisiana branch of a national movement, a women's movement, to basically challenge... The boys, <laughs> nah, to really to to address the um, kind of terrible trend in politics right now at the national level, uh, but looking at it also at the local level. And I honestly, I am just so fascinated to hear how you think you can really uh, move the hands on the clock forward instead of backwards in the state of Louisiana. Sure. So Emerge Louisiana, we specifically uh, recruit, train, and support Democratic women who want to run for office in the state of Louisiana at any level of government. And as you said, we're part of a national organization called Emerge America, who's been doing this since 2005. They have since trained over... Oh, so this actually precedes the um, election of Trump and the uh, women's resistance Okay, that's interesting. Okay, go Absolutely. Ahead. So the way it started was a woman wanted to run for office in California. She was well-educated, but she didn't know where to begin to form a campaign, to get fundraising training, to get public speaking training. So she was talking to her friend about it and, like, what women do. They decided to do something about it, and they started an organization called Emerge Emerge America at that point, and now it's Emerge California. Mm -hmm. And Emerge operates in 24 states today, and they have a plan to be in all 50 states by 2020. Uh Uh-huh. So um, how's that going? How's that working nationally, first of all, and and how's that working here in Louisiana? Because, of course, sometimes it just seems like, God, how do we penetrate? the numbers in the state, which are really pretty abysmal in terms of people who are progressive and trying to make good things happen instead of, I don't know what they think they're doing up there in terms of, you know, cutting and cutting and cutting and not really recognizing that you just can't um, end the kind of services on which a healthy economy is based. One answer to how's it going and how do you do it is you do it one office this is Marjorie at a time. Speaking. This is Marjorie. One office at a time, one election at a time, you know, one woman at a time. Um, and what we're seeing, and, you know, I just sort of grabbed the mic from Melanie here, but what we're seeing is that people are really ready for new leaders. Um, but it works best when it's um, 
community-based. And that's what, of course, that's what we saw happen in Pennsylvania yesterday. Um, when it's community-based, if it's somebody that you know or somebody that can relate to you, then it's easier for people in a state like Louisiana where people have been conditioned to think that you have to be a Republican. It's easier to get past that when you can go one-on-one, talk to somebody who makes sense. Um, and so, you know, and that's why Emerge has this program, which Melanie can describe, to get people trained all across the state to go into their communities and explain why the voters should support them. You know, I just want to interject for a second and say that um, I, I keep thinking uh, we're not really going to uh, change things until we are able to communicate with people who have been locked into either the Republican Party per se or simply um, this kind of retro politics that is based on fear, is based on uh, a sense of loss of position in the um, universe, which is really much a part of, of, of Trump's whole uh, constituency, people who have um, – very literally and and um, terribly lost out in the changing economy. Um, how how do we communicate? How do we open up lines of communications? Because there's a lot of persuading that needs to be done, a lot of educating, but not talking down to. And that's one of the things that has really been a theme nationally. That oh, it's the elite, it's the intellectual elite in the East that's calling all these shots. And and um, I, I, I said, how do we reach that person who has elected? What's the guy's name who's running this, this, the Speaker of the House right now, who's such a bad dude, In basically? Louisiana? Yeah. Uh, Taurus? Taylor Barra. Yep. How do you say it, Taurus? Taylor Barra. Barra, yeah. So, I mean, it goes back to finding leaders in your community, right? So there are women who are doing great things for the public schools in their towns who are, for lack of a better term, closeted Democrats. And it's when they start talking about what democratic values mean to them in their small towns around Louisiana and articulating that on a local level that gets people to start rethinking um, their views on the two parties. Um, and what Emerge America has done in since 2005 is trained over 3,500 women who are those community leaders, who the, their neighbors, their the people involved in their schools and their organizations have known them to be great people for years, and now they're deciding to step up and run. And studies show that women win at the same rate as men. It's just getting them to run. And that is what we're encouraging women to do. And that has to be actually, uh, in, in a way, uh, that number is even more significant based on the fact that most of the women have not run before, whereas a lot of men have been in politics for some time, and so they're moving up the scale. But you're talking about newbies, basically, um, doing as well as men right. who have been in, in the game. And that's why people like Donald Trump, because he didn't, he didn't get involved in politics before. He wasn't a politician. So we are harnessing that and bringing in new blood to the political game here. And I think across the board, uh, people want to see the status quo go out the window and have you know, real community leaders be elected to office who are still in touch with their voters. And what also what studies have shown is that, first of all, women um, 
are they're doers. They're doers. Women are project oriented. They run for office because they want to achieve a certain goal and they work towards getting that done. They tend to be less concerned with um, the, the the sort of gamesmanship of politics and more concerned with just achieving the goals that they set out to achieve. And hopefully less partisan. Well, because you have to be if you want if you want to achieve your goal and you it, then you you have to you have to you know be able to you know compromise and work with everybody. Women are all and studies will show Melanie's nodding here that women are better at that. Yes, I think what we saw happen in Baton Rouge last week with the special session going up in flames would not have happened if we would have had more women in our state legislature. Today, only 15% of the Louisiana state legislature is made up of women. And we're not going to get policies that are reflective of our state until we have a more representative state legislature. And that's one one goal of Emerge Louisiana is to change that. So um, how many uh, women have some kind of reasonable chance of actually getting into the legislature during the next election cycle? I mean, what are are the targets right now? What are your goals? It's a really interesting year, 2019 is, because we have our Democratic governor up for re-election. And we'll hopefully see a wave of Democrats going to the polls um, and moderates and the Republicans who supported John Bell in 2015 coming back to vote for him again. And in addition to that, we have 40% of our state legislature who they are term limited. So they cannot run for re-election in the current seat that they hold. So no matter what, we're going to get a lot of new people in office. And so, again, um, this is a tremendous opportunity for um, women who have not run before. Exactly. And what we are doing right now in Emerge Louisiana is we are training our first class of women soon-to-be candidates. Uh, And we have 25 women in the class, and they come from all over the state. They're thinking about running for all levels of government in 2018 and 2019. In addition, if you are a woman out there listening and you are thinking about running in 2018 or 2019, we're doing a candidate training boot camp in Baton Rouge, July 13th through the 15th. And you can get more information on our Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. It's at Emerge Louisiana. And on our website, www.emergeamerica.org slash EmergeLA. So um, the 25 women who are talking about running, uh, uh, and you're saying on all levels, what what, what kind of levels? I mean, I, I, I'm most interested in the legislature. So how many of those are looking at the legislature? Sure. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. And we don't we don't oust our women in our class until they're ready. Um, but I would say about half of this class is definitely looking at the state legislature. And we have a focus to recruit women who want to run for the state legislature for our boot camp and also for our 2019 class that will start in January of 2019. I want to say this is Marjorie here. Um, and Emerge Louisiana does have a particular emphasis on the Louisiana State Legislature for reasons that I think are obvious to anybody who can hear my voice. But that said, um, there are two reasons why, um, well, lots of reasons, but two that, that I can think of why it's important not just to focus on that. One is that you need a pipeline. And uh, there are a lot of seats in the legislature, but um, – you know, we don't we don't want to first of all, you know, pad one district with 
to many people who are, you know, alike. And also, um, not everybody either wants that or is ready for that, but what we need is a pipeline. Mm -hmm. And if somebody wants to run for local city council Mm -hmm. or local school board, those seats are important, too. The policies that are made by city councils and school boards matter to the people in those communities. And those women can serve in that capacity, do a lot of good, and then move sure. on when when they're ready. The sure. other thing that people have to remember that are really important positions that are sometimes forgotten is district attorney. Uh, DAs are incredibly powerful. I don't think we have any women DAs in Louisiana. I think we have one woman sheriff, and sheriffs also. Uh, these are elected positions. If you can vote for it, you can run for it. And district attorneys have enormous power in Louisiana. Sometimes they abuse that power, and women can make a huge difference in in what our criminal justice system looks like. So we have to remember that although the state legislature is is critical to to politics in Louisiana, there are a lot of other positions that people can and should consider. To what extent do you think the um, what's happening nationally in terms of some of the uh, Democrats that have um, beat Republicans in districts that were uh, that voted? Uh, in a majority for Trump. To what extent do you see that possible flip happening here in Louisiana? Or I should say, let me phrase it another way. Do you have any evidence to suggest that we can do that? Well, I think that the the further we go along with Trump's presidency, a lot of his voting base realizes that he does not stick up for them, um, his populist views and the promises that he made. Uh, I know that the White House is going to spin this election last night in Pennsylvania's 18th district. As, as a weak candidate on the Republican side. Exactly. Yep. But it, it it was, we see Trump's influence waning in that district. He went there the, you know, the day of the election and couldn't pull it off. It was more than a 20-point swing uh, in just a year and a half. Um, and what we're going to hopefully see around the country is more and more voters doing their research and I'm feeling their pocketbooks and realizing that the Trump presidency is not helping me. But in addition to that, what Democrats need to do is they need to find people who know the districts and are from the districts and are good candidates. And so that is what we saw happen with Connor Lamb. And sometimes that means a more moderate Democrat, but it is you need to represent the, the values of the community that you come from. I happen to think that a big part of the problem that we're dealing with right now also is the media. And having come out of the media, I feel um, empowered to say this. But um, the the news content now, um, with some exceptions, is um, so driven by the algorithms. And this this algorithm process is very um, counter- uh, progress. It's, it's, it's totally regressive because um, if you ask somebody, uh, uh, you know, you give them three subjects, what would you, what are you most interested in hearing about? Crime or education or um, public um, uh, health? You know, they're going to pick crime because they're concerned about it, but we wind up with, with our local news being, um, 50, you know, nowadays it seems like the first 10 minutes is nothing but crime and it does not deal with um, broader issues. And I have to say that 
Uh, I think an important part of your campaign, this is none of my business to tell you how to do what you're doing, has to be dealing with the media and and how to um, really try to uh, deal in, in a very, um, let's see, what's the right word? Uh, institutional is what I wanted to say, but you, you've got to get to talking to the editors and the publishers and the owners of the stations and say, you know, give us a break. We have to cover the news and not just the incidents or the symptoms of what's happening in, in our society. Well, none of us in this room has the power, other than, you know, maybe, you know, here at WBOK, um, to influence the way uh, media companies run their business. Wrong. Stop. And Stop right there. Stop right there. Yeah. I'm just going to have to correct that. I'm not going to let you go forward because – Let's take as an example what was going on with the film industry in the state. And this is just a little example and one that's, you know, important to me because this is part of the area that I pay a lot of attention to. So Lee Zurich ran a campaign against, uh, on, on Fox News, um, about one company that had, um, done bad. They, they scammed money and, um, in result, uh, a public official got, um, lured into the deal, and it was just a, a, a bad thing. He never once really did a story about the industry and its impact um, uh, on our state economically. He didn't. He, did, he didn't give the other side of the story, so to speak. He only kept beating away at that one horse of of what that one company did wrong, which gave the legislators upstate who loved to beat up on New Orleans the opportunity to kill the tax incentive for films. That was devastating, by the way, for the state. Now, oh. hold on. So I kept telling these guys, you need to go to the to those publishers, print and broadcast, and go uh, demand an editorial board meeting, go into the editorial board, and meet with them and talk about it and, and get your point across. So they didn't do it when they lost the tax credits, which, by the way, was devastating. It was a devastating impact, and it's still playing out because a lot of companies that went on to Atlanta and other places are not coming back. Some of them are coming back, and some of them are just so uncertain about what we're going to do next that they're not coming back. <clears throat> but when they did that, when they did the editorial boards, which they did the following year, and they flipped the story in the news they were able to get those incentives back. So I'm telling you. Well, I yes. You can get in there and talk to those guys and make a difference. But, but and, and that's true. One-on-one, -on -one you can have those meetings. But when you talk about what, what you described as the algorithm structure of news media and, and, and those kinds of things, and the way in which people consume information nowadays. I mean, very few people read the newspaper. That's a fact. Most people in this country now don't watch television. They don't have TVs. They watch what they want to watch on, on their computers. Um, that, so, so the way in which people receive and consume information, you know, that's beyond the control of any one person. But, so, so what an organization like Emerge needs to do, which Emerge is doing, is you need to meet people where they are. You need to find people where they are and communicate with them in the way that makes sense to them. And one of the things that Emerge is doing is getting to people and making them see that what they thought they wanted wasn't really what was right for them. And if you go in with a good Democratic candidate who can talk about the things Democrats value, which is 
families, which is the stability of the middle class, which is fair wages for everybody, wage equity for women, all of the things that are part of standard democratic bread and butter. If you meet people where they are and talk to them about that, they get it. I, I don't disagree with that. I, I am all for uh, the community level and grassroots campaigns without a doubt. You can't get anywhere without that. But I am telling you that in addition, because um, all of the television stations and all of the print media, they have their online presence also. So when you're talking to them, you're not, you're not just talking to the Times Picayune, you're talking to, to NOLA.com, you talk to the advocate, you're talking to what they put online. And people do see that, gambit, etc. I, I I think that magnifying the effect that you have at that at the uh, people level through the media is still really important, and um, I, I would just urge you to to do that to to make those inroads, build the relationships. You know, there's an old story. I, I come out of the PR world. That's what I did for most of my life, and and what I learned was PR is all about relationships, and it's all about getting to know the news editor, the news director, and even the, the publisher or the owner of the publication, and talking to them and, and establishing a one-on-one -on -one kind of communication with them, the same way you're talking about talking to people in the streets, you got to talk to them. Absolutely. And one thing that we're really excited about is we hold a different training session in a different city each month around Louisiana. So we are going to people where they are in Alexandria, in Monroe, in Shreveport, in Lafayette, in Baton Rouge, and in New Orleans. Our class members come from all those places and are acting as surrogates in their communities, talking to the media, including a great piece that um, I sent you, Jean, earlier about Victoria Coy, who is one of our, our 2018 class members, um, and highlighting the work that the, these women are doing and how that intersects with other hot topic issues like gun violence prevention. Speaking of gun violence prevention, so um, I would like to, first of all, um, hear from you on um, how the women's movement, uh, Emerge Louisiana folks and others, are um, embracing this issue. And I have Louise Olivier um, here with us from Ben Franklin, who um, has been involved with the uh, student um, effort that's going on right now, which is not unrelated at all to what you're doing, because what between what, what all three movements are doing are essentially breaking through the traditional structure of things. And if we could only figure out how to truly diminish the power of the NRA, I published in one of my newsletters a list of all of the Louisiana con congressional representatives and who, how much they got from the NRA. And I feel like I just want to put that in my newsletter. Julie, are you listening? <laughs> you know, um, every week, because I think for people to truly understand, to see the numbers of money that those guys are taking. And, and, and I love the way the students have been addressing that and really um, trying to call that out. And I've, I've, we've now been joined by Louise Olivier, who's been in, involved mm -hmm. in the uh, student actions today. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'd like to ask you two questions, and I'm going to just ask you guys to, you know, stay in the conversation here. So um, what motivates you? What um, and you and all the other people you're working with, and and where do you get your sense of the potential results from this? What's the what's the outcome you're trying to get, and what makes you think you can achieve it? 
Well, what was most inspiring about this movement in particular was that it is started by and run by teenagers. Um, so often, teenagers are left out of the political conversation, I feel, because we can't vote. Um, even though we are fully cognizant and fully aware of the political environment, we pay attention to the news, we know what's going on. But because we aren't old enough to vote and because we aren't legally adults, um, we're almost seen as like an afterthought with a lot of these things. So seeing teenagers start this movement, this is a teenager's this is uh, sorry, this is a movement by teenagers um, to impact students um, and to make lives better for students and everybody else who's a, uh, affected by gun violence. Um, what we're hoping to get out of this is common sense gun control, um, which is really it you know it it's different for everybody who asks. Everybody has a different a different thing they're focusing on. Some people are really focused on the mental health aspect of this movement. Um, which is so, what's, so, so, what's so important about this is that everybody can be involved and everybody um, everybody acknowledges that there is a problem. And so many of us have so many solutions, and we're all working together to bring about change. Um, so different people are focused on different aspects of the issue. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so the March for Our Lives is specifically focused on gun reform. We want to see comprehensive legislation passed. Um, we're focusing on we're going to get people contacting their elected representatives, um, contacting their their senators, their representatives in Louisiana, um, Louisiana Senate and all that, um, <laughs> to try to get them to, A, stop taking money from the NRA. That's a big one. Um, it's, it's upsetting that the NRA has this hold over our politicians. Um, and to to promote the the laws that we want to see passed for effective change. What 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 are the uh, laws? What have you all decided you're focused on in that regard? Yeah, so we want to um, we want to raise the age for uh, buying um, assault weapons. That's a big one. We would also like to to ban them altogether eventually. But we are listening to the national conversation. So for now, we're going to say uh, raise the age. Um, we also want to, um, to stop taking money from the NRA. That is a big big point big, big point for us. Um, we want New Orleans specifically focused on the gun violence that we see in New Orleans is we want New Orleans to be, there's a there's a policy that New Orleans cannot make its own gun laws. We have to comply with the gun laws set at the state standard, which doesn't make sense because Louisiana is so conservative and New Orleans is so liberal and we face such a disparate amount of gun violence compared to the rest of the state. So there are policies that can be um, revoked, there's change that can be enacted that would allow New Orleans to make its own gun laws um, to address the problems that we have in our city specifically. That's and that would be a really big deal. Mm -hmm. how, how, how does that work? How do you think you can do that? Um, well, it's a policy that exists currently, so it would have to get, you know, <laughs> sort of rolled back. Um, this is something we've been working with Moms Demand Action about. They're incredibly helpful. They're um, they're really up on all of this, all of this legislation stuff. So I would love to plug a couple of our class members who are chapter directors of Moms Demand Action and really how all of these groups are intersecting to to tackle the issue of gun violence prevention. We've got Summer Cooner, who is the Shreveport chapter director of Moms Demand Action. We've got Rhonda Gleason, who's the Lafayette director of Moms Demand Action. And then we also have Victoria Coy, who's the national director of the States United to Prevent Gun Violence, all working on this issue. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the moms in our class, the women in our class stand with all of the teenagers that are doing this wonderful, wonderful work because it impacts teenagers in the classroom, but also it impacts women in their daily lives so much. I mean, in Louisiana, we are ranked third by women who are killed by men. And we see this in domestic violence every day. Just last week, I, I put together a headline. 
man shoots mother, man kills daughter, man kills grandmother, and man kills sister all in one week in New Orleans. There was a statistic, I think it was in the New York Times or in the science section this week, about how, um, you know, some people are talking about how the value of having guns to protect yourself in the home. The truth of the matter is the guns in the home increase the probability of a violent death in that home astronomically mm-hmm. because of what you're saying. It's it's domestic violence that gets um, exacerbated with the presence of a gun in the in the state. Um, uh, how how do we? I'd like to see, how do you, how do we see the interaction between the women's movement and the student movement? How, how are you all seeing the possibility of working together? Sure, absolutely. Well, I know all the moms in our class were out there marching with their kids today and supporting them. I think that across sections, we need to be coalition building, um, along with you know minority groups, uh, especially women of color groups that are have led the Democratic Party here for years, and we're uplifting their voices um, through our trainings, working with groups that are working to end gun violence. Um, and all of these groups that really do have the same goal of a better world that is not run by Donald Trump. Well, I think, uh, first of all, one answer to that is, Louise, I would love to see you as an Emerge class member sometime in the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and probably quite a few of your partners in right. this effort. Oh, for sure. Uh, I would love to, love to see you in, in an Emerge class um, in the future. But I think women, because women are more likely to be victims of gun violence, women are also more likely to understand the threats to themselves and to their families that guns pose. And that, I think, is a link as well between this movement by young people now, which is doing what nobody else has been able to do, which is to actually change the conversation. Um, I'm just absolutely in in awe of what you and your peers around the country have been able to do. Um, But I think that it is now up to, and that gets back to Emerge and our class members and the candidates, to carry the voices of these teenagers who, as Louise said, can't vote. Um, and are sometimes silenced or ignored because of that, it's up to their moms. It's up to the women in their communities to carry that message in a way that only women can because women are more likely to be victims. I want to understand, um, <clears throat> when you first started to organize here, that's a, that's a fraught moment, mm-hmm. a difficult, yeah. scary moment. How... I just want to sort of be a fly in the room for a minute and tell me what was that like, that initial organizing moment? That's one. And then two, one of the things that I know about movements that come out of a political crisis is that it's very hard to sustain them. So I'm thrilled that Emerge has continued. We're now what – well, I, I again, I didn't realize it was so old, but um, – uh, the energy that's coming out of the Trump administration years seems to be keeping things rolling and keeping the pressure on. But sustaining these movements is hard. So I want to know, I want to be in the fly on the wall for a minute mm-hmm. and how that got started. And then um, how do you see you all are going to be able to sustain the energy? Okay, so um, it was, I believe it was a Sunday after the Parkland shooting um, the the four Parkland students had just gone on, I think it was CNN, and they were talking, they were announcing the Never Again movement, the March for Our Lives. Um, 
And it was a Sunday night. I think I was doing homework, and my best friend Olivia Keefe had watched the broadcast, and she just she just texted me out of the blue, like, "Hey, do you want to have a march for our lives in New Orleans?" I'm like, "Okay, that sounds good." So the first thing we did was, you know, we checked that nobody else was doing it because this needs to be one movement. There's no point in having three different marches. Um, we checked that nobody else was doing it, and the first thing we did was we started making social media. We started recruiting. We wanted volunteers. We knew we needed people to help us. Um, and then I basically just made a list of all of the gun violence prevention groups that I knew were at work in New Orleans. Um, that's how I got uh, connected to Moms Demand Action. I need to see that list, please. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> I how need I, that. Uh, that's how I, I, got... I was looking for that list when I was planning this show. <laughs> I just lucked on you because uh, your woman, Christy, at the school, mm-hmm. who, uh, uh, you know, found you for me. But I, I, didn't know how, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know <laughs> who was doing it. Go ahead. Yeah, so we were... Um, just emailing a bunch of people, just like as many people as possible, like, please help us out. We believe this should be a student-led movement. We believe it's so important that it's students, but we need help. Um, You know, we're not experts at this. We're just high school students. Um, So that's where we got the moms from. That's where we started working with Indivisible NOLA, um, which uh, leads me... Indivisible NOLA, they do voter registration, um, among other things. They uh, specify in helping people contact their elected representatives, which sort of leads me to how we are going to keep this momentum going. Um, So the march is making a big statement, which is that's kind of the way you get people to pay attention. You you make a big statement, and they they pay attention. They show up. Um, So after that, we are going to try to work with the moms um, and Indivisible NOLA to help people be able to contact their representatives. We're going to have a list of demands for people to know what to pay attention to, um, what specific uh, movements, what specific emotions they can back. Um, voter registration is a big one. I, I keep saying it over and over again, but um, especially because the this biggest is a, it's the biggest one. Especially because this is a movement about teenagers. There are so many, I think, people in this city who maybe are not registered to vote um, who really should be. Um, so just helping people stay in touch, and we want to have people join organizations like the um, Moms Demand Action and Indivisible NOLA because we are we are a movement, but we are not an organization, and so that's what we really want to get people involved in. Sustaining it? Yes. You think it's going to happen? I, I sure hope so. That's <laughs> what we're what, working what on. What would you counsel her on that? Sure. So, no, I think that all of that sounds really good. I think it's about coalition building. I think it really is important to get voters registered. There's doing something really interesting in Jefferson Parish where the parish has actually uh, hired a nonprofit to register all of the high school seniors Mm -hmm. in their last month of school because you can pre-register here. So hopefully getting something like that going in every parish of the state. Um, as far as sustaining the movement, I, you know, unfortunately, as long as the headlines keep coming out that there are shootings, this is going to be a relevant topic. Yeah. As long as there are men who are in elected office saying things that uh, offend women, you know, are getting more women elected is going to be a relevant topic. Um, so unfortunately, it is the status quo still going on makes both of these movements you know, more than just a moment. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I want to uh, join in our um, general manager from WBOK, Susan Henry, who is in the shop, <laughs> but I need a chair for her to sit on. You're going to go? Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. You said you had to leave. Marjorie, thank you for coming in. Please come back. It's always a pleasure. Okay, thank we you. have a chair. We have a chair. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Thank you. 
Um, so Susan Henry, who's the general manager for WBOK, has joined us. And, Hello. Um, hi, Susan. So um, we've been having a conversation basically about uh, the women's movement in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, M- Melanie is uh, 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 involved with that, Oob. And um, this is Louise um, Olivier, who is at Ben Franklin, and she's involved with the student movement that wow. had the march today. I heard about the march today. Yeah, it, was powerful. it went really well. Mm-hmm. Very powerful. Yeah. And so this is so important in general in terms of really changing things around. And um, I wanted you to come in and, and join the conversation because um, WBOK has really been – a very important progressive voice in the city, yeah. and um, and and really it welcomes dialogue, welcomes um, a con- conversation between the different parties, and sometimes it's not easy to do that. No, it isn't. Sometimes you get a lot of backlash for that. Um, we serve as a platform for discussion, you know, thought-provoking discussion. We like to enhance perspectives, and really allow our listeners to gain insight into different points of view. And sometimes that, come, that comes with a little bit of backlash. But at the same time, um, you are in the process of, at the station, really, in a sense, joining this, this momentum and this energy towards change by uh, bringing in uh, um, a, a lot of new hosts, a lot of uh, new energy, a kind of there's a trend, there's a there's a changing of the of the context and the brand of of the station. I just want you to address that because you know I have some listeners who maybe don't listen during the day and mm-hmm. vice versa. So um, fill us in a little bit on what you're trying to accomplish. Trying to really just pass the baton and skew our demographic down to uh, the. Uh, a younger demographic. We skewed for a long time. When I first got here four years ago, we skewed 65-plus. And over the course of the first two years, we went down to 32-64. And now we're skewing 25-54. That's great. And those are the people who are going to listen for longer periods of time. We have tons of new shows with great young artists and great, just great great young hosts and entertainers. We have um, the, week, the millennial Arsenio right there <laughs> with the Weekday Lounge, D.C. Paul. He's on uh, weekdays 7 to 8, and he's mm-hmm. also on, on Saturdays from, from 7 to 9. Um, we have Dr. Charles Corpru with What's Your Revolution. Um, uh, even our evening show host, Rachel Graham, she has a younger spirit. Um, we have just a host. Uh, just a, uh, uh, Oliver in the morning. Oliver in the morning. Well, we have Warren Bell. He's a veteran. Um, we have the OG in the game um, in the morning. We have Warren Bell from 6 to 7, and then Oliver from 7 to 9. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck Perkins Chuck. from uh, 9 to 11. Chuck gets No, I'm sorry. 10 to 12. He gets people rolling. He does. He gets people really <laughs> he excited. Is a real he's he's so passionate, radio though. Host. His passion is, is, is to be admired. Um, and then we have Kendra Joy. It's a beautiful show. It really just invigorates the mind, body, spirit, and that's from noon to one. And then we have our black programmers. The underwriters are still here. We have a new car show. We have Rob Bokash. Rob Nice has um, Car Talk. Uh, We have so much. We have Adrian Dixon has Free College. Lloyd Dixon, the love doctor, (laughs) (laughs) has a show. It's a great show as well. just, just a, a, a ton of new, fresh faces, mm-hmm. good content, new conversations, and that's the most important part. We really want to diversify our dialogue. 
so we can attract just a more diverse audience. And uh, needless to say, um, getting the support from the sponsors is a really important part of making all this possible. And um, I know you don't want to talk about this, but I, I, I was really kind of um, shocked mm -hmm. at, at the uh, – I hope it's going to change. I hope they're going to back <coughs> yeah, off. Yeah, I hope for our amicable um, resolution to this issue. I really do. Um, it's challenging when we – Open the when we open the conversation up to our listeners, and you really it, it holds corporations accountable to the people. And sometimes corporations have a you know they they tend to overlook the people and focus on the bottom line, the profit. Um, so not just corporations, can, but people in political office. People too. in political office as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they often side with the corporations because the corporations often pay them. So, I mean, it's a, it's time that somebody listens to the people. And that's actually been, you know, real talk for real times. It's always yeah. been the theme of this station. But I think it's even more a trend today in terms of the kind of people you're bringing into the program. And then, again, as you say, the listeners, a lot of listener interaction yes, on, this, on this station. Yes, we open, up, we open up the call lines in every show. No, there's not one show that doesn't open up the call lines. I, I tell people all the time that, uh, that if you want to know what's going on in the community, you really – If you want to know how the community feels about yeah. what's going on, just tune in because, I mean, every show, we allow listeners, we give them that platform to voice their opinions. So how do you see this going forward? I, I see it growing. I can. I, I mean, I've, in any situation, you're going to have challenges, and this is just one of our challenges that we have to overcome. And we've dealt with this before. This isn't the first time this has happened. Um, whenever you hold someone accountable, you're likely to get these types of obstacles. So um, I, I see us growing. I see us continuing to get great programming and continuing to diversify our audience and, and growing. I have to ask Olivia, uh, you, I don't know, you probably have not been a regular listener on this uh, station, but um, I, I would love for you to actually get a lot of the students that are involved in your um, movement right now to tune in to that would the be wonderful. I don't know which show would be, the besides mine, is only one night a week, but um, what other shows would you recommend that she... The Weekday Lounge, I would, I would recommend um, yeah. every day from 7 to 8. It's in the evening, it's after school. He um, caters to a younger audience. I think that would be good to hear Get the voice of the... Get your students involved yeah. in All listening right. to the show, <laughs> calling in. Um, talk to coming the host before yeah. you leave yeah. tonight about maybe checking in at some time and coming to talk. And Because to, to keep um, in the media what's happening on the streets and what you're doing, and this is the same thing I was telling Melanie, that um, you know her, her effort, Emerge Louisiana, is very much working... At the street level, and you know, mm -hmm. engaging people into conversations and 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 doing one on one. But I'm saying you got to work the media too, because yeah. too much of the media is not they're they're paying too much attention to the algorithms and not really tuning and into what, what people, people are saying think exactly. More broadly. Exactly, and that's really important. When the message is monolithic and you're not getting you know everyone's opinion, that's not really news at that point because it's not reflecting a, a diverse range of people. So I think it's really important to get the young people from in high school as well as the 65-plus. That is the only way you're going to really get a gauge on how people feel and what kind of change needs to be instituted. I have an idea. I think we should try to see if we can't get somebody to sponsor a program one hour a week mm -hmm. that's student-run. We have one now, but it's college students. But I would like to hear the voice of high school students as well. That? Yeah, right. that would be wonderful. Maybe a Saturday morning show yeah. when they're not in class. 
I totally know people who would be interested in that. I'd be interested in that. Okay, yeah. so all you have to do now is, you know, it's always the hard part. The hard part is raising the money mm-hmm. because you've got to uh, make sure that we get some money into the coffers here to keep things going. <laughs> so you have to buy the time, but it's not expensive. No. And expensive. I think that if you, you know, again, through your social media, get kids listening and you build your audience, mm-hmm. that's the way you And they have organizations the that want to hear that message from the young, younger demographic. So, I mean, I don't think it'd be hard for to find a, a, a nonprofit that would be interested in getting, you know, h- hearing that voice. Uh, a, a nonprofit, or actually, I can I think of commercial entities yeah. in the city. Where do you hang out? Where do you, uh, what, <laughs> you, what coffee shop do you hang out at? Oh, you know, wherever, honestly. Um, but I think it'd be great to have teens' voices continue to be heard, especially related to social justice and activism. Um, if we could sure. find somebody to handle the the technical part, I've got the equipment. I can go to you. Wherever, I, I have all the equipment. Well, now with technical, it's really easy. You just need the the phone and Facebook Live, and we can grab the feed. It's really easy. Oh, that's so, so I, I wasted my money on no, all the fancy didn't waste equipment <laughs> I bought. Oh, great! You probably have a, a clearer a clearer you know transmission. Well, just but it, but they require a technician because I yeah. can't I don't know you how to do, do it. Yeah. But um, I'd love to see that happen. If you had a radio show like that once a week, what would you do with it? Oh, geez, I would definitely try to get students from all across New Orleans, from all different groups, um, representing all different interests, try to come in and talk. Um, obviously, I'm focusing on activism right now. That's a big interest of mine, uh, especially with this march. It's so much in the news. But I guess just. We could talk about relevant cultural things. Um, you know, this the the conversation about gun control has almost eclipsed the whole Me Too movement, but that was so important, and we could you know talk about cultural things like that. <laughs> yeah. you know, things teens want to hear. <laughs> I, I'm curious about something. Um, uh, how uh, diverse is the uh, is the um, uh, Never Again movement right now? We have made such a big effort to make it diverse. That was like the first thing because my friend and I, Olivia, are, are both white. Um, so we said, okay, we need to get students from all across New Orleans involved. So the first thing we did was we put out a call for student liaisons who are interested. Um, and then we started working with students at Apex Youth Center, which is a youth center that uh, serves underprivileged um, students who are predominantly from underprivileged communities, and they've been incredibly helpful. Um, a lot of them are affected by gun violence in their own lives, which is a a point of view and a narrative that is so important to have. That, this is something I, I, I haven't been uh, listening during the day because I, I work so hard, so I didn't hear any earlier conversations on the station today and yesterday mm-hmm. and since the gun violence. But, you know, there's two kinds. There's, okay, the shoot 'em ups at schools, but there's also constant daily shooting yeah. on the streets. Yeah. And so I was really hoping that we would see our community in New Orleans come out and get involved in this. Yeah. Uh, is that have, is that been popping up on the shows? Um, not that much. Not that much. Yeah. And it should. It really should. Yeah. You should think about partnering with Lake Area Charter since it's in the area, and they have a very different demographic. Yes, we have been reached out to by someone who represents them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they're neighbors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's going to happen, hopefully. Good. And how do you um, how do you um, see this working in with your movement? Absolutely. Well, I do want to say that I think it's. It's sad in New Orleans that we all seem to be so desensitized to the daily violence. And I hope that we can capitalize on this Never Again movement and start focusing on every every single gun violence death that we have um, in the city. Um, As far as working together with with the teen movements, I mean, we are absolutely here for these 
great gals and guys. Um, and actually tomorrow, uh, a few of the Emerge class members and myself were going up to the Capitol to uh, advocate for a bill that would raise the minimum wage that would impact teenagers greatly. Mm-hmm. That's good. Ladies, I'm, I'm just floored by what's going on. I really am. And I just hope that we're going to see the kind of response from um, the, in, in terms of who we actually get elected in these new election cycles. Are there any particular uh, races that you want to highlight that relate to us here in New Orleans or in the metro area? Your, your signal goes as far almost to Baton Rouge, doesn't well, it? Well, um, it goes to Prairieville, Geismar area, but we mm-hmm. stream online, so that goes everywhere. Of course. So we, are, we do have a presence in Baton Rouge. Sure. Well, I just want to remind everyone who can early vote to go early vote that there mm-hmm. are elections on March 24th. Um, Emerge does not endorse candidates. We don't even endorse our alums uh, who go through our program because soon we will see Emerge alums running against each other in races as soon as 2018 or 2019. But I just want everyone to get to get to voting. And even if you live in a red district or red parish, start getting in the habit of voting and that start recruiting Democrats and you know, not Republicans to run for those seats. And, you know, I'm in Jefferson Parish, and that is one thing that I'm really focused on, getting the Democrats in Jefferson Parish just in the habit of going to vote. So when we build the pipeline and we have Democratic candidates ready to run there, they're ready to go vote, and they realize that they do have a choice. You know, if you send me um, some voter registration information I will start putting it in my newsletter every week. And I think it would be terrific if we had kind of, you know, like one of your things that you have out here about close the show by saying, don't forget, mm-hmm. get out to vote, and register tried, to vote. Yeah. As yeah. a constant reminder to always go vote. Yeah. And and how are you doing that? Do you guys had I saw on the on the national news it looked like people had their registration forms out there with them mm-hmm. today. Would you were you doing that here uh, in New Orleans? That did not happen at the walkout today, but we're going to have tables at the march itself, and we're working with individual schools to get voter registration people speaking, at their schools. Speaking of the march itself, I'm sorry, I totally forgot about that. So that's <laughs> that's March 24th. March 24th. Tell me about that. Uh, what are you going to do? It's March 24th at noon, so we're starting at Washington Square Park, and we're walking to Duncan Plaza in front of City Hall. Um, and at That's the, end, the Women's March direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It uh, turns out it's one of the only few places you can actually march. It's very complicated. Um, and then at the end, we're going to have a rally. We're going to have some uh, political speakers, hopefully, as well as students, um, and that should last about an hour or so, and it should end around 3-ish. And, and so are they letting you out of school? It's I mean, a Saturday. Oh, it's Saturday. (laughs) Okay, so that makes it a little bit easier. So, again, it starts at what time? Noon? Noon, yes. Start at Washington Square Park. Mm -hmm. Now, people don't have to sign up. They just show up, right? Yeah, you can RSVP on our Facebook, and that's really helpful because it gives us, you know, an idea of how many people will be coming. But, yeah, you can totally just show up. um, And how do they do that? Give me your Facebook information. Um, Our Facebook is uh, March Nola. We have a little page, and uh, at the very top it should be an event, and you can RSVP there. Okay. And um, are you taking donations? <laughs> are you raising <laughs> we are, money? We are. Um, we had our GoFundMe. We actually reached our goal on there, but any other donations are so helpful. And we are selling T-shirts um, with the March uh, for Our Lives in New Orleans uh, information on it. So I hope great. you have some 4Xs. <laughs> yeah. I only wear the big shirts, <laughs> which I like to sleep in. All right. So Is that's it geared toward high school students? Sorry? Is it geared toward high school students? Uh, the March itself is open for everybody. Okay. Yeah. 
Oh, all right. So uh, uh, folks listening in the audience, please think about joining the march. Mm-hmm. Um, support the kids. And um, I, I hope that we have the kind of turnout. We had, I think, about 10,000 people out for the Women's March, it right? The first one. Turnout. Yeah. Right? It the second. Great. Did you do that, Susan? Were you in that march? No, I was out of town that weekend. Oh, no. it was a blast. It was actually, it had to be the best, most fun march in the whole country because we had so many jazz bands and <laughs> funeral. I saw, on, I saw it on social media. It did look like fun. I was really upset that I it, it we were really excited to have a class member who was able to speak and also Helena Moreno, who's on our advisory council, and she talked about Emerge Louisiana there at the Women's March. So thank you. And now she's on the city council. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure actually that the whole council and the mayor will all be out there. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. And principals, are the, are the uh, school faculty and principals are joining in also. Hopefully. We can't get any specific endorsements from principals. They have sure, all these rules sure. about that. But yeah. hopefully as individuals, they will come and support us. What happens after that march? What happens after that march? We are going to encourage people to join these groups, like I talked about. Um, and then we are also going to have another walkout on April 20th, which is the, um, I think it's the 20-year anniversary of the Columbine shooting. So we will be uh, helping organize that as well. Same uh, basic program. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And timetable on what you're doing. Sure. So we are going to be having, we're in the middle of Emerge Louisiana's six-month training program. We've finished two training weekends already. Our third one is coming up uh, on March 24th in Alexandria. We did not uh, foresee all of these other marches uh, when we set these dates about six months ago. And we will graduate our first class in June, on June 23rd in New Orleans. I'll make sure to send you all of those details. Absolutely, and we'll we'll put that out there. And um, so I, I, I'm thrilled with what you all are doing. Uh, I, I encourage people who are listening to us to get involved in this. I want to close out with just a quick shout-out for something else entirely. Anybody else have anything else they want to – Susan? Anything you want to? Great programming on the, on the way. Real talk for all times. Okay. Um, there is on St. Joseph's Night, Monday, uh, March 19th, um, at 5 p.m. at 1431 Annette Street, um, a parade uh, and signing of a new book from called Fire in the Hole, the Spirit Work of the Fai and the Mandingo Warriors, and this is being put on at the Backstreet Cultural Museum at, um, looks like it ends, uh, the book signing to follow at the Backstreet Cultural Museum at 1116 Henrietta Lil Street. So I am checking out earlier than I ever have. Oh, do we have a, is that a, that's not a call for me, is it? Yes, it is. Okay, well, before we close out, hi, who's speaking? Hi, Jasmine. Hi, Jasmine. What's up, Jasmine? Oh, I was just calling to um, talk about the gun violence or the walkouts that happened today. Thank you. I'm so happy to hear you're doing that. Are we getting some feedback? Uh, Shall I tell her to turn her radio down? Um, Listen, Jasmine, I want to hear you a little better, so would you turn your radio down because it causes um, an electronic thing that interferes with us hearing you. Oh, okay. Turn your radio down, and then you can tell us what you are called to tell us. Is it better now? Yes, ma'am. Okay, speak up. Okay, so basically I was just calling to talk about my experience with the walkouts and everything. And um, I go to Lusher, so we had mixed reactions with the walkouts. Some people were really supportive, like the cars 
passing by, some people were giving us thumbs up and things like that. And then, you know, we had other people that were screaming at us from their car saying, y'all need to be in school or you should go inside. Oh so I goodness. feel like it was a really good experience as a whole for our school com- community to participate in. So, uh, Jasmine, were you involved at all in organizing it, or were you just a part of the march? Well, no, I wasn't involved in organizing it. It was mainly our um, student government that organized it, but we all participated in it, and we all called our state senators, and we were continuously calling, and they had a pre-written paragraph for us to tell them talking about their vote when it comes to gun laws and gun restrictions. I'm I'm so happy to hear this, and and I'm happy to hear how well you took the people who didn't agree with you, because that's something we all have to be able to roll with. Um, Not everybody's going to agree with what we say, but that can't stop you from from really saying what you think and trying to change people's views and make things happen. So, So let me ask you, why do you care so much about this? I care about it because earlier in the year, we also had a gun threat, a shooting threat at our school. So I feel like it's very close to home for our school in particular. And even further than our school, it's about all of the children of America because we are the future. So I feel like we need to protect our lives in order to make sure that our future is as bright as it can be. Sounds like a parade in the background. Jasmine, um, uh, what's your next action? Are you going to be involved in the 24th? Yes, I will be. As long as we don't get the results that we're looking for, I will continue to participate in any type of walkout or anything that's necessary to get the gun laws and gun restrictions changed. Jasmine, stay on the line. I want to talk to you when we go off the air. We're about to go off the air, and I want to sign you up for the radio show we're going to try to get together here for the young people. Sounds like you need to be a part of that. Okay. All right. Stay on the line. Thank you. All right, everybody. Crosstown Conversations signing off. The women, the students, WBOK, we're all in this together. We're going to make things happen and make sure that they